morning. Oh, I'm a fan too, you guys. This is great. Like all the fans, we had some ideas for our fans. We were like, what if we put like different pastors' faces on it? So you could, you know, you could see who'd been like the most well-received over the last few months. If you had a lot of Michaels, you know, but then we were like, no, we're a church. We're all together. So what if we just like snuck pictures of you all and you could just pick one out and all of a sudden you're like, this is my face, fanning my face. This is awesome. Um, Anyhow, great to see you guys. We just got back from uh, a little trip in Bend, Oregon. We had to escape the heat to get to some more heat. Uh, we had a great time, and it was so hot that I decided to uh, take a few hairs off. Yeah, like, I look a little different. I uh, I shaved it, but when I first shaved it, I thought it would be funny uh, to shave, like, the horseshoe, like Martin Luther, you know, ancient Martin Luther kind of, you know, German bald look. And, um, and then I put my hat on, and my daughter got home. And we were playing, hanging out, and I was like, hey, I had some toys in my hand. I was like, hey, can you take my hat off? I've got an itch up there. Can you? So she took my hat off and saw the, and she was just, (laughs) and then busted up laughing, like fell on the ground laughing at me. It was, uh, I thought it was a joke on her, but it ended up being a joke on me. Um, It's so good to see you. Welcome to Whitewater. This is a place you can belong before you believe, like Michael said, and our goal is to help you take the step you need to take in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at, and everybody's at a different place, we just want to help you move forward. Um, recently, um, in January, we, we moved homes. We got a new house, and we were looking for homes. Uh, we actually were walking through the, the home that we ended up buying. We were downsizing the house a little bit, and we wanted to make sure the house you know, could be great for people to come over for like starting point, so you should come over to our house next week if... If you want to know more about our church, and we'd actually like to get to know your story. I love being able to, to meet people who have been coming to our church and uh, just get to know your, who you are. So we want to make sure the house had that capacity, and uh, it, it like had signs everywhere in the house, like this is the wall, and this is the window. Like It was kind of funny. Like It was like all these labels for things that uh, what they were. This is the floor. So we're walking around looking at this, and my daughter gets to the kitchen, and she loves fruit. How many of you guys love fruit? You love summer, you love raspberries, you love strawberries, you love both of those. I mean, peaches, nectarines, I mean, fruit is so good. My daughter loves fruit. And she walked into the kitchen, there's a bowl of fruit. And uh, some of you guys kind of are like, didn't raise your hand. How many of you guys like chocolate? You guys like chocolate? How many like chocolate and fruit? And most of you guys are like, yeah, there's a few of you that are like, no, only chocolate. <laughs> only chocolate. My daughter loves all of it. She saw a bowl of fruit in the kitchen as we were walking through and ran up. I mean, just so much joy and exuberance. She just grabbed that, grabbed an apple and just took a big bite of it. And she went, and her jaw like, like just locked. And, uh, and her face said it all. She pulled away and there was this look of shock and horror that turned into disgust because what she had bit into was like a wax, uh, like plastic apple. She was so disgusted. It went from shock to disgust and then to anger, like that bedlam, like anger, like I'm just going to throw this thing and she's so mad and she was so mad because this fruit was presenting itself as fruit, but really it was just a hunk of wax plastic. And we live in this world, we live in a world that's like that. It says like, as long as we can get our life to look good, it doesn't actually have to taste good. It doesn't actually have to be good. Um, we, there's this verse in Luke chapter 6, and Jesus teaches this. He says, a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. For each uh, tree is known by its own fruit. In our world, that translates to this. 
the fruit, as long as the fruit looks good, it doesn't have to taste good. And so people spend like copious amounts of time, copious amounts of energy trying to make their life look good. Like, like let's make our marriage look good to our friends and our marriage look good to our neighbors and our marriage look good to like our social network and our social media. Let's make our life look great. When in fact, like their, their marriage could be in shambles. Their, their bank account could be in the negative. Their, uh, their family relationships aren't what they present, aren't what they want because we live in a culture that says, well, Hey, as long as it looks good, it doesn't have to taste good. But see, God is not fooled by that. I think sometimes God's a lot like my di- my daughter biting into this wax plastic thing. When he, when he comes to our life, he looks at the tree of our life, says, okay, I want to know, if, is this a healthy tree or an unhealthy tree? He takes a bite of the fruit. The fruit let you know how healthy the tree is. The tree can look good, the fruit can look good, but it can be poison, toxic, plastic, garbage. And God won't be fooled. In John 15, we're going to be looking at that. If you have your Bible, you can turn to John 15. That's going to be the major passage we look at um, uh, today. And we're going to be looking about looking at this. God wants to produce fruit in our life. How does he do it? In, in the beginning of John 15, verse 1, it says this, I am the true vine, says Jesus, and my father is the gardener. And I want you to imagine that God is a gardener. He's looking at people's lives much like a gardener uh, might look at an orchard or a vineyard and, and look at all these plants. And the, the gardener's job is to bring fruit and flower out of the plants, out of the trees, out of the orchard. That's God's goal. He wants to bring fruit out of our lives. In fact, in Psalm 1-3, it says this, they, being us who would receive blessing from God, are like trees planted along a riverbank bearing fruit in each season. We're supposed to be rooted in life-giving love of God so that we can bear fruit because our lives are supposed to look a lot more like healthy trees that produce fruit than the wax fruit that my daughter ate. So here's the question I have for us. If God's the gardener and he's looking for good fruit in our lives, what does the fruit taste like in your life? What does it look like? But what does it also taste like? We're going to look at four seasons that God brings us through. He brings humans through, individuals through, communities through. He brings us through four seasons to bring about fruitfulness. And it's all in John chapter 15. So starting in verse 2, it says this, every branch of me that does not produce fruit, he removes. So let's think about that for a second. The end of the verse, it says, uh, that does not produce fruit. So any branch that does not produce fruit, what does he do? It says he removes it. The Greek word for for remove um, actually has a range of meaning and one of the ranges and and often uh, used meanings of that term is not remove like pull or cut out is actually to lift up to lift up and isn't it interesting if we were to know and study uh, vineyard culture back in the Middle East back in Jesus day that when a when a vine dresser or a gardener who's who's in charge of a vineyard and their goal is to bring grapes so they can eventually make wine or just eat the grapes. They want fruit. Their job is to make the plants as fruitful as possible. Create the environment. So they have healthy root. They have healthy water. They have healthy growth and life. Um, what they'll do is, as they're looking at the tree, at the bottom of the, uh, of the vine, of, of like a, you know, a great, grapevine that's shooting up, at the bottom of it are the youngest and weakest branches. 
And when the branches are young and weak, they're not strong enough to hold up any grapes that they might produce. So often they don't produce much. And uh, if anything, sometimes they don't produce anything. And the weaker they are, the lower they hang. And they actually will hang into the dust and dirt of the ground. And the more dust and dirt they have on them, the less they'll produce. So you have all these branches that toward the bottom, they're too weak to do anything. And they're filthy, they're dirty. It's really interesting that Jesus would say that, 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 he, that the gardener uplift, uplift the branches that have no fruit. What's the goal of a gardener? To produce fruit. And if you were to read through verse 2 and 3, it, I think it, it gives us more insight on what, what this means. It says, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so it will produce more fruit. We'll get to that in a second. Verse 3, it says, you are already clean. Because of the word I have spoken to you. He's talking to disciples and he said, I have already lifted you up and cleaned you. You already have some fruit. The disciples he's talking to aren't fruitless. But he is saying the ones that are people who are coming to Jesus that have like filth and dirt and sin and brokenness in their lives that that are preventing them from from bearing any fruit. God's going to lift it up. He's going to clean it. And there's a season that God brings us through. And the season is what I like to call a season of discipline. That when God looks at the life, your life, my life, is there sin? Are there area issues of our life, behaviors that have become so toxic that they're hurting us, that they're hurting others, that like there's no fruit? And so what he does is he wants to lift us up and cleanse us. And the way God does that is he, is he disciplines us. He, like a good father, wants us to turn to health away from the unhealth and the grossness and the toxicity of our world. And uh, like my daughter, she'll um, she'll get so excited sometimes that she'll like want to just run across the street, and I'll have to like grab her and say, "No, no, no, no! What do we do when we cross the street? Oh yeah, we look both ways." But then every time we come to the street and she's got her bike and she's excited, she'll forget or she just doesn't want to. And I've even had her try to run away from me and I've had to grab her and be like, no. And and if she persists to disobey and run across the street, I'm not wanting to like restrict her and discipline or punish or any of those, any of those things. I'm not wanting to do any of those things at all. I'm also not wanting to do anything just to do it and to be mean. I don't want her to get hit by a Mack truck. As her father, that's what I'm concerned about. And sometimes I have to put my concern for the Mack truck hitting her over her concern for getting her bike where she wants it to go. Does that make sense? This is how God looks at us. If we are running the wrong way, if we're totally unhealthy, we think our fruit's great, but it tastes like wax or it's, it's toxic fruit. It's hurting other people. God's, God's like, I can't let that go on. If you know God, he can't let that go on. So he will begin to take us through a process of pulling things away and cleansing our life. And here's the deal. The season of discipline, the season of having things taken out of our life that are unhealthy only stops when we stop does that make sense this is about repentance the way that we turn and get healthy from unhealth is turning back to god does that make sense in fact in matthew i believe it's uh chapter uh three verse eight it says produce fruit consistent with repentance repentance means turning back to god turning away from unhealth that's what god wants from us and he wants for us and speaking of fruit god wants fruit so bad he's not like uh, one of my fears is uh sometimes religious groups and churches can get so focused on how the tree can be sick how people can be sick and broken and sinful that they'll spend 
the majority of their time telling people how sick and bad they are and spend no time on how to become a good tree. You're a bad tree. You're just really bad here and here and here and here. Have you ever experienced that? Like, look, look at that aspect. You're really, really bad. And spend little to no time on how to become a good tree because there's a fear that, that some Christians have that say, if we teach people how to be good trees, then they're just going to try to do good, good things on their own. And, and, and we need to, we need to rely on God. We need to rely on His grace. We need to, we're not a works based, you know, uh, community. It's all about God's love. Yes, that's true. But when you look at the life of Jesus, he didn't come and just say how bad people were, how terrible the trees are, and not offer any medicine and not be with them. He wasn't like the doctor who walks into the room with all the patients and looks at everybody and say, you're sick, you're sick. You're, yeah, that liver problem you have, that's because of your drinking. You're sick. You're disgusting. You've got, you're toxic. You're, the, you're, you're leprous. You have this issue. That's a nasty rash. And just go around the whole room telling everybody how bad it is and look at the nurse and say, all right, you, you take care of this and walk away. That would be a really bad doctor. Jesus says the church is like a hospital. He's like a doctor and a doctor who gets close and brings medicine to the issue. You have to bring the truth. There is a problem. Yes. But we want to help people learn how to live with goodness in their life. The goal is to create healthy trees that produce healthy fruit. We can't lose sight of that. The goal is not to tell all the unhealthy trees how unhealthy they are. That's not the goal. It's not ever the goal. God is in the business of healing, redeeming, changing, transforming. Amen? What if we spent more time, let me put it this way, what if we spent less time on looking good and having fruit that looked good and more time on actually being good? I'll let you ponder that. All right, let's keep moving here. So what's the second season? What's the second season? Um, in verse two, it says he prunes every branch that does not, uh, that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. So here's some branches that we see and the gardener comes up and he, um, he looks at the tree, looks at our lives and he says, yeah, this has got some fruit on it. I get to cut it. (laughs) You're like, what? And the gardener will look at our lives sometimes. God will look at our lives and there are seasons that he'll bring us through and he'll say, hey, there's fruit, but I know there can be more fruit. So he will use trials and hardships that we're going through. He will use those to produce more fruit in us and produce more growth, more change. Because God wants fruit. You guys know the uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. You know, like these things are good things. That's what God wants to produce in our life. Healthy relationships, healthy, healthy uh, uh, self-relationship where, where you're not running yourself down all the time. God wants us to be healthy. And so when the gardener looks at, uh, sometimes we'll have fruit, but he says, Sometimes we even, he'll even cut away good things so that we can grow greater things. How many of you guys struggle believing that when you're the tree? You ever seen a tree like that's been like totally hacked, like with, you know, been totally pruned and like all the branches are gone? It just looks like this miserable, like, how oh, dare, stop it! Like you just see a tree of like being pruned and it's losing all of its branches. Just stop it, that hurts. If you guys have been in that point, you're like, God, no more. I've been pruned enough. I'm done. And God's like, nope, there's a little bit more fruit that we get in here. And you look at the stump of what's left and you're like, that looks terrible. The tree's like, I look terrible. But see, the gardener knows what we can become even when we don't. And the gardener knows the way we can become fruitful even when we don't. And we have to learn to trust him. 
Now, um, second season is a season of pruning. On your notes, you might want to mark that down. And it, there's some fruit, but God wants more fruit. And um, not all seasons are discipline. And there, it, not everything that you're experiencing is like because you've done something bad or you need to repent. I'm not saying that at all. God can use that. Those are, that's when sin is involved and it's a repetitive sin and you're not turning to him. He'll put people in your life, situations that try to turn you to hell. But many times we go through these seasons of pruning and it has nothing to do with us. We can't repent our way out of it because what, what, what have we done wrong? Nothing. It's just life. Life is happening. And we're are you kidding me, God? And, and, and when does it stop when you're being pruned? When God decides to stop. So we have to learn. When he decides it's over, we have to learn to be patient and to endure. Uh, I think it's um, one of the toughest challenges. When we went on vacation, um, we were leaving the heat to get to less heat, it turned out, in, in Bend. It like felt cooler down there in Bend. And... Um, when we got in the car, we're getting loaded up. I got the kids. I've got like, you know, little Wes. I've got Novella. And my wife says, hey, could you do this thing? I'm trying to do this thing. And it turns out I didn't hear her right. And she's like, no, that's not the right thing. And I'm like, ah, I'm getting frustrated, right? So I felt like going into vacation, I was like low on patience, really high on frustration. Not a great way to start vacation. Anybody ever start a vacation like that? It's the worst, but like it happens, right? So I was like, Lord, I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray for patience. Biggest mistake I made on vacation. <laughs> Biggest mistake I made. I just started praying for patience. And God answered that prayer immediately. It's not like you pray for like the lottery and God's like, I'll answer that immediately. No, he answers the prayer for patience immediately because the way God teaches us patience or any virtue, any character formation, he, the way he does it is he provides the challenge so that we can grow into it. So we get down there and we're, I want to take my daughter on the river float on the Deschutes through Bend. So we go to the place where you rent and we get in line, we're waiting, we're waiting and the inner tubes are selling, selling and then there's like two or three left and there's, you know, a person in front of us and they get their tube and then we're up and right before we go up, the, the boss looks at the young high schooler and says, hey, no more tubes here, they got to go to the other place. And I'm like, oh no, my wife's talking with someone and then she turns and I'm like, I'm trying to be patient so I'll let her deal with it. And uh, she goes, hey, can, we'd like to buy some tubes. Uh, the high schooler's like, I don't think we have any more. And he looks over at his manager. And the manager's like, no, we don't. And I can see, like, three tubes right over here. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm just like, calm down. You prayed to learn patience. Be patient. And he's like, yeah, well, all you have to do is walk up to the next station. That's just, you go straight, and you take a left, and you take a right, and then you go straight, and then you go. And, he, and so we're like, fine. So we go. We start walking. And we walk like a mile to this next station, get in line, wait, and there's all these inner tubes. And they're like, we get to the end of it. We're like, we want to buy inner tubes. They told us to walk here. And they're like, actually, you actually have to go back so you can get an inner tube. And it, even though it's not as hot as Puyallup at this point, it's still hot. And we've been walking. And my patience is like, it's like leaving my body. I'm just like so frustrated. And I've got this little girl and my wife and they're like tired. I'm just like, we've been walking everywhere. Are you kidding me? We go back and we finally get in the water. And the first like half the journey, I'm just like, are you kidding me? And it was like kind of the slow burn. And then I, when I let it go, then all of a sudden we had fun. It was great. But I was like, God, you're teaching me patience, patience, patience. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden we went on a hike. Decided to go on a hike. We're going to do a mile hike. Let's just do a mile hike. And it was great until it turned into the death march. So we were walking and after the first mile, uh, Sarah was like, we can turn back. And I said, 
you know what? This isn't going too bad. It's shady. It's nice. We can walk a little further. And she's like, okay. So we go a little further. And then there's a little bridge over a beautiful stream. Let's go a little further. And uh, how much further? And she's like, well, you know, I think probably halfway. And I looked. And I was like, yeah, we're halfway. And uh, no, we were not halfway. And I mean, there's this fjords and all these things around this lake we're walking. And it was like mile after mile. We walked five miles around this kids. I've got my little boy on my uh, on my back. And I've got my little, we've got a puppy dog. I'm carrying him, switching arms as it gets tired the whole way. God's teaching me patience. I was even driving later. Um, we were driving on the road and we were coming to slow down because traffic was slowing down. And I'd gotten over the frustration. And... Um, my wife said something funny, and so I just turned to her and laughed. I was, it was something really funny, and I laughed. And right at that moment, there was a guy in another lane who was in a Corvette, and it was top down, and he looked over, and he saw me laughing. Like, I was just filled with joy. Like, fruit of the Spirit is just flowing out of my life. But he didn't take it that way. He thought I was laughing at him and his Corvette for some reason. And so he looked at me, and he gave me that look my, my daughter had when she bit into that, like, wax fruit, and he was like, he just had this... And then he just gave me the salute, not this, but something else. He just gave me the salute. And I was like, patience, George. God is teaching me patience. I was so like mad. But then I laughed later because it was pretty funny. And he like drove off because he thought I was laughing at him. Like, who thinks that you're laughing at them? I don't know. I thought it was funny. Um, and I noticed when I was being more patient and God was forming this in me, that I had more quality time with my daughter. She was more apt to engage me. I was more apt to notice these fun moments, like moments with my son. That God was, was bringing that fruit into my life. But pruning's not always easy. When we go through pruning, it's often areas where we struggle trusting God. It's areas of fear that we have. If you're wondering, where am I being pruned? Where are you struggling to trust God? Where are you afraid? Where is the hardship? Where is their pain? Where there's pain, where there's a struggle to trust, that's often where we're being pruned the most. And God's trying to bring fruit in our life. When we, when we face a season of pruning, this is what normally happens. We, we either want to run or we want to remain. In verse 4 of chapter 15, it says, Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, Jesus says. You're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. God wants fruit, much fruit to come out of our life because you can do nothing without me. It's, it's such a reminder. We on our own can't do anything without God. We're like this tree. We need the gardener. Jesus is the vine, the trunk. He's the one who brings life to us. Roots, trunk, branches, fruit. We need the life-giving source of Jesus in our life. That's God's grace, his love, his joy. In fact, uh, how, how um, it's described in Colossians 2.7 is so good. It's says let your roots grow down deep into him and you and your lives be built on him it's talking about jesus then your faith will go strong then your faith will, we need to be rooted we need to be connected we need to remain the, the third season is a season of remaining well how do we remain in verse 9 it explains what remaining means as the father has loved me i have loved you Remain in my love, says Jesus. When you're in the pruning, if you're going through hardship and you need to repent, and maybe there's discipline in your life, when you're, when you're having to have stuff revealed and you're having change happen, when, it, when you're having things pulled or cut out of your life and it doesn't make sense and it's really dark out, he says, remain in my love. Trust in my love beyond the darkness. Trust in my, lo- my love beyond the pruning. There's some people here today that probably need to hear that. No matter what you're going through, uh, like nothing can separate you from the love of God. 
remain in his love. We want to run away when we go through pruning. We want to run away when it gets dark and hard and painful. And God says, remain in me. Who's he talking to in this passage? It's his disciples. Jesus talking to his disciples saying, I'm going to be crucified. You're going to lose me as your leader. And then you're going to be persecuted. So remain in me. When you feel like you've lost everything and you just want to run away and hide, remain in my love. If you keep my commands or obey me, you will remain in my love. If you do what I ask, you show that you love me. You're connected to me. Remain connected to him. And that leads us into the last season, which is a season of fruit bearing. And John fifteen sixteen says, I appointed you to go and produce fruit, that your fruit should remain. It should last like God wants our fruit to last. He wants our life to be to count. He wants joy and patience and goodness and faithfulness and loyalty and love and 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 peace and serenity to fill our lives and he wants us to grow. That's God's vision for your life. You can't microwave fruit growth. You can't make it happen really fast. It's slow, but it's steady. Fruit growing is slow, but it grows surely. It happens when you remain and abide in God, a natural outcome will be fruit. Even when it doesn't feel like it, even when it's like the fruit is green, it doesn't look big, doesn't look good, just give it time. I want to um, invite my wife up here to share a season that she went through, uh, actually a few of these seasons with you. So if you guys don't mind giving my wife Sarah a hand as she comes up. Patience, just go on vacation with me and God will develop lots of patience. <laughs> um, uh, George asked me to share a little bit about um, kind of a pruning season in my life. And I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't think I want to share that. <laughs> uh, sometimes I think we respond to pruning like, yes, yes, God, prune away. I want more fruit. And then sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want to be pruned. This is hard and I'd rather not. Um, and so I didn't always respond in the best way uh, to pruning, but I do think uh, that, that there's always fruit when we abide, just as uh, George was saying, when we remain in him, there's going to be fruit. And um, the season that I'm going to talk a little bit about is uh, a pretty long season. Um, after I had my daughter, I developed back pain. Um, and it just kept getting worse, and I wouldn't, I really wouldn't sleep. Like, it would be a couple hours a night, um, and I'm an eight-hour sleep person. If I don't get eight hours, I'm grumpy, and uh, I uh, teach high schoolers, which requires patience, and if you don't sleep, you don't have much, at least I didn't have much patience, Um, and I had three pregnancies during that time that ended in loss, and so I was working out how how to deal with that grief and not really knowing the cause of the pain or loss, and so seeing lots of different doctors. Um, And so we had to start taking things off my plate. Um, It was really the only thing that I could do was go to work and invest in my family. Um, So we we used to host a community group, and we had to stop doing that. Um, We used to have a lot of people in our home and invite them over for dinner, and and we had to stop doing that. And... um, The things that brought me the like joy and in, investing in others, I they were taken away because I physically couldn't um, do those things, and 
I don't want you to wake up five years later and be like, who is this person? Because I think when we get pruned, we can start believing lies that don't allow fruit to to form. Um, And I think that God wants the best for us. Through those seasons, God isn't this malicious gardener. He's like, no, I love you, and I want the best for you, and I want those roots to go down deep, and I want you to have fruit. And so... Um, I think over the course of time, I wouldn't have said, I'm believing these lies. They sneak in. Lies sneak in. And, and um, I hope that those lies don't come into your life. And I think we can't control sometimes seasons of pruning. I can't control back pain. I try to. But I can control how I respond. And so one of the biggest lies I think that I believed was that I have no control over my response to hardship. And I think um, <clears throat> it's supernatural to be like, this is hard. I'm under stress. I can't help the way that I respond. Like, uh, cut me some slack. And I think that's very true. Like, I think we start there, but we can't stop there. At least um, I couldn't stop there. Um, there would be times where, like, George and, and Novella would be like, let's go out, and, you know, and do something. And I'd, I would choose to stay in bed and cry. Um, and there would be times where, like, I knew I needed encouragement and I needed to, to pray. And there would be times I, I just don't want to. Like, uh-uh, I'm, I don't want to go there. And I think I would blame that. Like, I would justify it. Like, no, I'm tired. I'm, I'm in pain. I can't do this. Um, and I remember going to a conference, actually, a number of years back. And it was a specific kind of breakout group for pastor's wives. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get her to pray for me, and she'll probably have some really cool encouragement. And um, the message was all about how we have ownership over our own lives and how we, we control how we respond to things. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's not what I wanted to hear. Uh, like George said, fruit takes time to grow, and it's not just going to be a snap and it's fruit. Um, and I, I wanted that snap of pain to go away, and I wanted it to go away quickly. I, and I think that when we're like that, we hold on to these. Like, I was holding on to my health. I was holding on to my pain and said, instead of saying, like, here, God, here is my pain. Here is my dreams. Here is my dreams for my family, for my health. It's not how I'm expecting it to go. Uh, and I, there's something beautiful that happens when we let, let it go and we relinquish those things. And I so tightly wanted to hold on to it. And I also wanted to, other people to do things for me. But I, George can pray for me, uh, but he can't apply biblical truth acting out in my life. He can't surrender those things for me. When I get to heaven, I can't be like, I'm with him. Like, the... <laughs> I mean, I'm glad to be with, but I, I have to be owner, like I'm an owner of my life and the fruit of my life, not the people around me. And I need community and I need people to pray for me. And I'm not saying that, but when it comes down to it, it's, it's how I respond and it's my choice. And um, time can go by and you wake up one day and I don't, I, like, I realized I was a shell of what I once was. And probably some of you didn't, haven't even known me as the prior, <laughs> prior pruning Sarah. Um, and I feel like there's still lots of areas that God's still working in my heart in this way. And so it's way easier to be stubborn. It's way easier to blame. And instead of saying, okay, this has happened. I'm going to control. I'm going to give these things to God and ask that he 
transforms them. And I'm going to get in the Word, because when, even when I don't feel like it, the Word can transform me. And even when I don't feel like it, I can pray and tell God how I'm feeling, and He can, he can take that hardship and turn it into fruit. And so, <clears throat> but it does take relinquishment to do that. And I think one of the hard truths, but good truths, is that I am as close to God as I want to be. And so somewhere in that, I, I made distance, and I chose to be numb. I chose to have a hard heart, and that's a coping mechanism, and we're all going to use that. But I could choose to stay there or to be like, okay, take my hard heart, take my numbness, and um, will you take, take the areas that I'm not trusting you in those? And, and, and when I did that, the word came alive, and my prayer times came alive. And when I worshipped, even the corniest worship song gave me hope. Because like it's, it's, when you're like in the, the depths of that, it hurts. And I know that there are some of you in those seasons. Um, and you, know, it's, you might be even going something more difficult. But there is opportunity to, to change and transform. And so through that season, I think I really realized I need to take ownership and I need to trust him and I need to put these things into practice and also be transparent and vulnerable because when I was transparent and vulnerable, um, I allowed God in and others to help. And um, there's this quote um, by Richard Exley, and I actually don't know who Richard Exley is. I just read a book and saw this quote and was, I thought it was really good. And it's... Um, We can hug our hurts and make a shrine out of our sorrows, or we can offer them to God as a sacrifice of praise. The choice is ours. And so I think when we go through those seasons, I can say, God, take this. Or I could be like, oh, this is really hard. I have a reason to be that. And there are reasons, but I can't use that and stop there to be that way. Um, I think also in this season that sometimes when we're going through pruning or darkness, that we don't see the, the light. And so um, during that season, uh, I found this verse that really kind of brought encouragement to me. And it's Isaiah 45, 3. And it says, I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. And God sees us in that hard spot. I think a lot of times when we're being pruned or in a difficult season, he sees us and he says, you know, Sarah, I I see you and I see that it's hard. You know, choose me. I have truths for you and treasures and fruit that only can come through hard things. And so I think our society says, we don't want to go through hard things. It's hard. (laughs) I just want to avoid it. But the truth is, those are the things that really shape us if we respond. Like, I, I needed to respond to those things. And so at first it's like, I don't want this, and I don't want those gifts. I don't want the, the hard part. Uh, but I, I do really think that there are, only, there are specific treasures and fruit that you only get through those types of seasons. And, um, and to, to cling to that. And I think it's just that question, will I surrender to God in the pruning and the darkness? Um, and he's going to bring joy, blessing, and meaning, even though I don't really like the experience. And so he wants to grow lasting fruit. And so I think um, I just, I just want to encourage you to control the controllables. We have hard things in our life, and, and I, I wish I could rewind and say, I, I, you know, I was perfect response in all of these things, a godly, but... Um, when we cry out to God and, and we say yes and 
allow him to mold and, and shape our heart, it makes a big difference. And so um, we got this opportunity today that George will explain. Thanks for sharing. Um, today we just wanted it to be a, a day where we can be, be real and we can kind of release some things. And so we're going to take communion, which is remembering the life that was given um, by Jesus Christ so that we could be given life, that our sins could be washed away, um, and that he paid that, that price through, through his blood. Um, but today we, we wanted to add an element uh, that like God's the gardener and we're the orchard and God wants to create good fruit. He wants us to actually become healthy, life-giving good trees. And so uh, what I wanted, want you to do, if, if you're willing to, is to take this tag. Everybody should have had one on their seat or been handed one. And on one side of it, would you write down the season you've been in? Maybe it's a season where you're like, God has been like trying to turn me around, a season of discipline where he's like, just repent, just turn from the unhealth, like stop doing that. And like that's the season, and you're like, I, I need to stop, or I just, I just stopped. I made the decision to stop. And uh, write that on the card. Or maybe a season of pruning where there's just been stuff being like cut out of your life and it's and it's hurt and it's not been fun. Write it down. Like I've been struggling with lying, or I've, God's been cutting lying. He's been cutting um, impatience from your life. He's been cutting uh, this bad relational uh, approach or bad relationships out of my life. And uh, write it down. And then on the other side, would you write the fruit? that God is producing in your life through these seasons. Would you write, maybe maybe he's developing patience like he has been in me. Maybe he's trying to develop joy in you where there's been bitterness. You can't be bitter and joy-filled at the same time. It's one or the other. And, and if God's cutting the bitterness out, write the fruit that God is developing in your life. Or maybe write the fruit that you hope God will be developing in you. Okay? And so the, if you would do that, write uh, the season the pruning, and then write the fruit. And then what you'll do is, uh, you'll for communion, walk up the sides, um, both sides here. And before you grab communion, um, take these scissors or scissors at, at the stations and just clip a piece of the tree. And, and keep this as a reminder of the pruning that God is using in your life to create more fruit. So when you've cut the piece... Keep that, put it in your wallet, put it in your purse, put it in your pocket as a reminder of like, hey, God is using this. It's not helpless. I'm not helpless. God is here. He's using it to produce fruit. And hang this tag on the tree to be a reminder that God is producing something great in your life. That goodness is coming together. And and that God is, is really building this tree, this orchard of families and lives in our church that is that is building to good fruit. Amen? And then take communion. Me and Sarah are going to be here um, to pray for you. We're going to be right in this corner. Um, if you're going through a tough season, just need prayer, need to um, talk with someone, we're going to be here to pray with you. But that's what I would ask you. That's our, our hope is that we could relinquish and recognize the fruit that God is bringing. Amen? All right, let me pray. Father God, thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are working for good in all things. We praise you for that. We lift you up and say, Lord, we can't do anything without you. We need you in our lives, the great gardener. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to have eyes to see what you're doing, to have hope and to let the fruit of goodness, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of grace richly grow in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.